Hello and welcome back to the Going Deutsch podcast, a look at the wonderful world of German football brought to you by the Sport Split. And we're back after an international break that presumably meant something to someone who isn't me and is somewhere else, because honestly, who cares about the international break? There was one good thing that happened in the international break, and we'll be getting on to that in a bit. But for me, for the most part, the international break is just an excuse to enjoy the sports for a bit. You know, I watched the NFL, I watched college football, I watched cycle across, and I watched, well, not a sport, but perhaps a perhaps a sport, MasterChef The Professionals, which is a really good show. I've been watching repeats of it whilst I play Football Manager or the Tour de France game. It's, it's really good. It's really good for that. Anyway, welcome to the show today. I hope you're doing well. I hope this podcast finds you in good health as per usual. Remember to go to anchor.fm forward slash vsportsblitz to find out where you can play this podcast. You can also play it there or you can keep doing what you're doing. You're the Claudio Pizarro of playing podcasts and we'll get back onto him later on. And remember to go to the Sports Blitz website for writing about the power rankings in the NFL at the moment. I am planning to finally write another article. Uh, it would be about Chris Wilder's sacking from Middlesbrough, if you're a fan of your lower league English football, which, to be honest, is the best type of English football. Also, before I recorded this, the draw for the FA Cup fourth qualifying round was made today, so that was exciting. But at the moment, on the Sports Blitz website, it is just power rankings, so... Be warned if you venture over there. I hope you have an opinion on the National Football League. Also remember to go to anchor.fm forward slash Blitz, where week four's review will be going up soon. But this is about the other type of football. We have to start not by talking about German football, but by, of course, addressing what happened in Indonesia. Our thoughts here at Going Deutsch go to all the people affected By what happened in Indonesia, 125 people killed at a football game. Police fired tear gas as supporters invaded the pitch during a game in the Indonesian top flight. And that triggered a rush for the exit in the crowd. 125 people died. The police chief and nine officers have been sacked as a result. So, just a horrible day for football, a horrible thought to think of, you know, a family member or somebody you really like going to a football game and never coming back from it. And our thoughts go to everyone who was affected by what happened. The only good thing that happened in the international break was the send-off for Claudio Pizarro after retiring, God, two years ago now? From Werder Bremen, he had his testimonial, his final game at the Vesta Stadion, or final games, I should say, where he had three teams compete against each other in sort of like matches of 30 minutes. The three teams were Werder Bremen, Bayern Munich, and Claudio's Amigos, which is a great team name, and I'm going to put them in Football Manager for the next edition. No, I'm not, but... Werder Bremen, Bayern Munich and Claudio's Amigos, he played a part in all three sides, I think one in each game, and had a wonderful time doing it, it looked absolutely fantastic at the end of the final game, just before, 
you know, the whistle was blown. He uh, was subbed off by himself so he could have the standing ovation and lovely send-off. And then, after the games had finished, he placed his boots in the centre circle at the Vesa Stadion and walked off the pitch for the final time. It was absolutely fantastic. I would recommend watching the Bundesliga weekly episode where they, they showed it. It must have been the last one as of point of recording. So, yeah, it was a really nice sort of send-off for Pizarro, a real legend of the German game and a legend for both Werder Bremen and Bayern Munich. So, best of luck in your, well, continued retirement, Claudio. Not that you listen to this podcast, unless you do. I mean, he must be. If he's that obsessed with German football that he's found his way to this podcast, then that's impressive. Anyway, let's go into the games then from match day eight of the Bundesliga season. We're going to start off with the game at the Rhein Energy Stadion, Köln against Borussia Dortmund. And it was a very special day for Borussia Dortmund because at age 19, Jude Bellingham captained the side. What a phenomenal achievement for the young player. He has done so much since coming to Borussia Dortmund from Birmingham. And this is just another accolade that shows just how good of a footballer he currently is and could continue to be going into the future. Obviously, I'll make no sort of secret of the fact that Bellingham is probably my favourite player in the Bundesliga, so I was thrilled to see him get this honour. However, it wasn't a good game apart from that. Köln 3, Borussia Dortmund 2. Bellingham did actually have a good game. He set up the opening goal for Julian Brandt. To make it 1-0, that was the score at the half-time break. The second half was not exactly as positive for Borussia Dortmund. Köln levelled in the 53rd minute, Florian Kind scoring from a Linton Minor cross. Then just three minutes later, former Dortmund player Stefan Teagues scored with a header. Coming against his former club, his first for his current club, of course, a lot was made about Anthony Modeste in the build-up for this game, going to his former club in Köln. But it was Teagues who was the striker who scored against his former club in the end. 3-1 in the 71st minute down. Lubacic with a really good finish from outside the box. Definitely the best goal of the game. And the goal that essentially sealed it for Köln. Dortmund did get one back in the 78th minute. But it was a really, really funky own goal. Benno Smich making contact with a cross and looping it over his own keeper. Absolutely unintentional, nothing he could have done about that. I believe it's his second on goal in two straight games though, so great for him. But yeah, as mentioned, that was all she wrote for the game. Borussia Dortmund losing away at Köln. And obviously I've mixed emotions about this because for the most part... Dortmund weren't able to capitalise on their own chances. We've seen this enough times this year. They had 22 shots, but the majority of them weren't threatening Marvin Schwaber in the goal. And of course, I don't want to have to point him out, but Anthony Modeste returning to his former club did not have a good game. Few of the Dortmund players did. I think the two that really stood out for me only were Jude Bellingham and Julian Brandt. Apart from that, most of the other players were sub-par. So, Dortmund weren't good in this game. 
and normally it wouldn't be too much of a problem because Kona are a really good side, losing to them away from home isn't a bad thing, but this is a Dorman side who are meant to be challenging for the league title this year, and to be honest, when you're going up against a side like Bayern Munich for the title, you can't really be slipping up too many times, and this game sort of fits in to an overall theme this year, which has not been very good. Dortmund, despite their league position, haven't exactly been outstanding. However, it is also worth pointing out at the same time that Dortmund have had more than their fair share of injuries. I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but somebody said and proved that you could almost field an entire starting eleven out of injured Dortmund players. And some of the players who have impressed most this year weren't available to Erdin Terzic in this game because of injuries. You know, you look at Matt Tummels, Marius Wolf, Marco Royce, Mo De Hood, Jamie Bino Gittens, Gio Reyna, Gregor Kerbel, all of them are out and more, of course, including Sebastian Haller, who continues to recover from his cancer diagnosis. And any team who have that many injuries, especially to very good players, is going to struggle. So Dortmund do deserve some reprieve because their injury problem is once again completely out of control and stupid. It's beyond frustrating to see the number of injuries and how it's affecting Dortmund and how they could have really potentially capitalised on Bayern's poor start if those injuries hadn't happened. At the same time, it is their Classica next week. They are playing Bayern Munich and... I have very little optimism for this Borussia Dortmund side because they've had a poor track record against Bayern Munich over the last few years and when you factor in their less than stellar form and the number of injuries they've got, it's hard to really be optimistic for how they're going to do against Bayern Munich and of course, we'll get on to the Bayern Munich result later on but we'll say that they put their pre-international break form behind them. Fingers crossed for Borussia Dortmund, fingers crossed for a title race more than anything else, which we've not had for a few years now. And it's always felt like the thing that has stopped us from having a title race has been the games between Dortmund and Bayern Munich. Just remember, if that game in October last year had gone differently, if the game had been officiated properly, then Dortmund would have only finished two points behind Bayern Munich. That would have been a title race. But we didn't get that in the end, and I'm worried that we're not going to get it again this season. Anyway, so obviously that was a bit of a downer to end on. Kona good, so, you know, there's that. But let's sort of bring our spirits back up with our next game. They're the Bremen 5, Borussia Mönchengladbach 1. What a performance from Werder Bremen, the newly promoted side, doing exceptionally well in their return to the Bundesliga. They hit the ground running in this game five minutes on the clock when Nicholas Fulkrug scored from a Romano Schmidt cross. Then just three minutes later, Werder made it 2-0 and Marvin Dusk finally got his first goal of the season. Granted, it was from a deflection, but... You know, when you've been struggling as much as he has, you'll take it. And it's nice to see him finally get a goal for Werder in the Bundesliga. Just five minutes after that, it was 3-0. 13 minutes on the clock. And it was Nicholas Fulkrug with his second of the game. Really good setup from Marvin Dusk for that. 
It means that Nicholas Fulkrug has seven goals to start the season. He is currently the top goal scorer in the Bundesliga. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. Well done to Nicholas Fulkrug on an incredible start to this Bundesliga campaign. It was 4-0 before the half-time break as well and Rami Bensabaini scoring the most hilarious on goal of the season. Cross coming in and he volleyed it past his own keeper Jan Sommer. And to be honest, a lot of times this year when we've been talking about own goals, we've sort of said, oh, well, you have to have some sympathy for him because if he doesn't get a foot on it, then the striker behind him does and it's a goal anyway. Yeah, that, that wasn't true in this case. If he doesn't get a foot on it, it goes to absolutely no one. It rolls out innocently for throwing at the other side. And, <laughs> oh, he just volleyed it. Oh, perfect finish. Tell you what, if he was a striker, he'd be applauding him right now for one of the best finishes of the weekend, but he's not. And he looked absolutely mortified. Of course he did, but... While she can sympathise with him, I would point out this wasn't the difference between winning and losing this game. They were dreadful before that. They weren't much better afterwards. So that was 4-0 of a half-time break. It could have been even worse at that point. But luckily for Mönchengladbach, they did draw the second half one all. So, one clap. They got one back in the 63rd minute, Marcus Taram getting round the keeper. A good bit of play from him. Not that it mattered because in the 73rd minute... Verder extended their lead to four once again. Good passing play finished off by Mitchell Weiser. Summing up not just how well Verder Bremen played in this game, but how well they've been playing all season. They've been absolutely incredible under Ole Werner. They sit eighth in the league at the moment. Borussia Mönchengladbach had the chance going into this game to go level on points with Borussia Dortmund. So, they're a more than worthy opponent, and yet Werder Bremen absolutely took them behind the woodshed and dominated them. And it was an incredible performance from everyone, and Werder, 8th in the league, they absolutely deserve to be. And who knows, at the moment, I don't want to say anything, just in case Alex Towles is listening to this, friend of the pod, and, you know, Werder fall apart, and he goes, Oh, you jinxed us! Damn you! But, you know, Werder started off the season strongly. I see no reason, necessarily, at the moment, touch wood, with all things being equal, for, for them to, you know, not keep that up. Fingers crossed, touch wood. If that causes them to fall off a cliff, I will sincerely apologise. Anyway, before I jinx Werder any further, let's move on to a slate of fixtures I didn't really enjoy as much. Starting off with Bayern Munich 4, Bayer Leverkusen 0. Obviously, Bayern Munich entered the international break with a lot of doubts and a lot of criticisms, but they put them to one side in a very dominant performance against the Bayer Leverkusen side that continue to struggle to start this Bundesliga season. First of all, by the way, Bayern Munich released their new Oktoberfest kit. Obviously, they celebrate Oktoberfest every year, and it was a very nice kit, so well done them. If I was a Bayern Munich fan, which you may have been able to guess that I'm not, then I would buy it. Bayern were very dominant in this game. Four goals, four different goal scorers. Leroy Sane opening the scoring in the third minute. Jamal Musiala, Sadio Mane both scoring in the first half. Thomas Muller adding one more in the 84th minute. Bayern Munich are back to their normal selves. I expect to see this sort of Bayern Munich from them 
for the rest of the season. That's not where the interest is. Of course, it is for Bayern Munich fans, but for us who just follow German football, it's not where the interest is. Bayer Leverkusen is where the interest is. How much more time is Gerardo Terwane going to get? Because it's one thing to lose to Bayern. Lots of teams do that in Germany. That's why they're the record meister. But Bayer Leverkusen have started off the season appallingly. And then they go to Bayern Munich side who are stuttering. And concede four goals whilst playing completely appallingly up front. And the, the main thing I actually want to talk about... What happened to Lucas Radecki? Because I, I swear that he was a good keeper like last year and in the past. But this year he has been completely, completely atrocious. And it showed again in this game. The second goal, beating at his near post, he should have done far more about it. But of course, the highlight moment was the fourth goal, which was absolutely beyond stupid. If he did anything else... It wouldn't have been a goal. All he had to do was clear the ball. He said he passed it straight to a Bayern player. And you can't give chances like that to a side who are near the bottom of the Dritte Liga or in the Oberliga or the Regional Liga, let alone the Recordmeister. It was absolutely stupid. And it continues this theme of Bayer Leverkusen just having absolutely no defensive semblance, no defensive control, just being poor in every single game. They've won one game so far this season and currently sits 17th in the Bundesliga table. Now, reports differ on how long Gerardo Serrani is going to get. Some say that the Schalke game is a win-or-get-sacked game for Serrani. Some say he might be given a bit more time, that he might make it through the World Cup. Let's face it, at this point, we've played eight games, they're on five points, it's a lost season. I can't imagine them getting a manager who can turn this around, unless, obviously, they reach for the stars and hire Thomas Tuchel, which would be an incredible hiring for them, but maybe he doesn't want to go to Leverkusen. It wouldn't be the most surprising uh, refusal that I've ever seen because, you know, they're not exactly the creme de la creme. But then again, Turk could probably do a lot with that side. Fingers crossed. It'd be nice to see him back in the German game. But then again, they need to sack Serrani before they even think about hiring Thomas Tuchel. So let's let's deal with that first. I gave Serrani a lot of credit last year for how he managed Leverkusen in his first season. But this year, you know, you really expect a manager of his quality, when there are problems, to really be able to tackle them, to grab them by the horns, and to deal with any problems that come his way. That's what separates average managers from the very top managers. And Terwane, after eight games this year, where the problems especially with the defence, have been completely persistent. He's not even scratched the surface of those problems that Leverkusen are facing. And so it leads to the question about whether he's ever going to be able to fix those problems, which at the moment, I can't see any reason for answering yes. On paper, Bayer Leverkusen have a good back four. They have a good defence. But they're playing completely appallingly. There was no good player at the back for Leverkusen in this game. And to be honest, the only player I think played even remotely well was probably Callum Hudson-Odoi. So, it really is put-up-or-shut-up territory for Serrani. It wouldn't surprise me. If they do poorly against Schalke, especially considering that Schalke are a newly promoted side, then what excuses 
would you be able to give Sarwani after that? To be honest, I've already run out of excuses after this game and well, before this game as well. So, time has to be running out on the Leverkusen manager for Bayern Munich. Well, they're back to being Bayern Munich, so everything okay over there. Let's talk about a manager who's been having a much better time at the moment. Urs Fischer has signed a contract extension with Union Berlin, and with how they've started off the season, you can't exactly complain with that decision. He has been so phenomenal since taking that job when Union Berlin were a spider Bundesliga side. To get them to the top of the Bundesliga is simply sensational. So how would the side mark his contract extension? Frankfurt 2, Union Berlin 0. Yay! Get the party poppers out. The two goals in this game, both coming in the first half. Mario Goethe opening the scoring of the 12th minute before Champions League winner with Salta Vigo, Jesper Lindstrom, scored one of the goals of the week. And by the way, that's another reference to my football manager save. Please ignore it. But Lindstrom went on a fantastic, amazing run, going past several of the Union Berlin defenders before slotting home. Really good finish. Go and watch the highlights if you can. And that was enough for Frankfurt. Union did have a chance to really get back into the game in the second half. Randall Colo Mouani sent off for a second yellow. I didn't see the first yellow, but the second one was absolutely stupid. I don't know how it was given a yellow card. It was easily the wrong decision, but it also didn't matter, at least in this game, because Union Berlin would not capitalise on it. They looked bad. Before the sending off, they looked bad. After the sending off, and Frankfurt more than deserved the win. Obviously, for Frankfurt, this continues their positive trend. They started off the season not, not great. And since then, obviously, doing a lot better. Sixth in the league at the moment on 14 points, which is, you know, more or less where you'd expect them to finish come the end of the season. Meanwhile, for Union, let's face it, it was a bad game. But let's not be too harsh on them because they still currently lead the Bundesliga and Union Berlin lead the Bundesliga is something I never expected to say outside of a football manager save. So I'm not really in the mood to slam everyone and say sack Urs Fischer now and sell all the players because let's face it, it would be a tad bit of an overreaction. Just a tad bit. Tiny bit. Anyway, let's move on. Freiburg 2, Mainz 1. Freiburg move into second in the Bundesliga table with another good performance. Starting off in the third minute, a very strong finish from Mikhail Gregorich. He started off really well for his new club in Freiburg and he had another good game in this one. He could have had a second later on, but his shot hit the bar only to be headed in by Daniel Kofi Chirey. Yes, he scored a goal for Freiburg. Obviously, Chavay spent the last two years at St. Pauli, and I wish him all the best in his adventures into the Bundesliga. His first goal with Freiburg, his first goal in the Bundesliga, and I'm sure he will only get better as time goes on because he's not had the best start to his Freiburg career, but he should get a lot better. Mines were very bad in the first half. They threatened exactly no times, at least to my memory. But they did get a lot better in the second half. Alvin Martin had a tap-in after 52 minutes. 
and did have many chances after that to equalise. Freiburg did sort of ride their luck towards the end of the game because there were two chances after the 90th minute, one of which hit the post for Mines, another which was cleared off the line, but they did do enough to hold on for the win, and as a result, they're second in the Bundesliga table, which I don't think anyone had at the start of the year. As I think, I know no one had that at the start of the year, because you would have been a madman to predict that sort of thing. Still, absolute credit to Freiburg for how they've started off the season. Let's go into the other games then that happened in the Bundesliga this weekend. Wolfsburg 3, Stuttgart 2. Wolfsburg finally moving in the correct direction in the league. I believe this is for only their second win of the season. It didn't look like we were going to get back 22 minutes on the clock when Seo Garassi gave Stuttgart the lead. But then, just one minute later, Omar Mamouche equalised, obviously, the former St. Pauli man and former Stuttgart man, scoring against his former club, who he was on loan at last year. A neat finish from outside the box. Didn't celebrate out of respect for his former club, which we love to see. Then, Maximilian Arnold made it 2-1 in the 21st minute, but to be honest, this one was on Florian Müller, because, oh boy, did he bobble the ball into his own net. To be honest, I obviously hadn't seen the Bayern Munich game at this point, because it was on later in the day. But at the time that goal went in, I wrote worst blunder from a keeper in the league this weekend. And then Lucas Radecki did what he did. So, thanks. I shortly deleted that comment. It was still a really bad moment for Muller, and it was one that gave Wolfsburg the lead. Still, just before the half-time break, Konstantinos Mavropanos would equalise with a header. And the second half, after that first half with four goals, did not live up to how the first 45 minutes had gone. But Wolfsburg would get one last chance in the 91st minute and they would capitalise. Yannick Gerhardt volleying in after some good build-up play. Gave him an empty net to volley into. Wolfsburg were probably just about the better side in this one. They did deserve a win. And hopefully for Nico Kovac and co. They can start moving up the table. After a, well let's face it, dismal start to their campaign. Schalke 2, Augsburg 3. The football gods completely abandoning Schalke in this game. They were the better side for practically the whole game. But not only did they not win, but they had some quite bad injuries as well to key players. First of all, just to quickly run through the goal scorer, Simon Tarodda adding to his Bundesliga account. Tom Kraus getting the other goal for Schalke. But those two goals were cancelled out by Augsburg's three. Demirovic getting two, Andre Hahn getting the other. To be honest, I don't really know how Augsburg won this game. Granted, I wasn't watching it live because the NFL was on and it was Schalke against Augsburg. So this wasn't going to be the game that made me turn over. But all of the stats, all of the highlights point to this being a dominant Schalke performance, but one where they just could not capitalise and take enough chances to get the win. Let's be honest, when a side has more attacking opportunities and loses by conceding three goals, that points to one thing being the problem, and that's fair defending. And let's face it, Augsburg had five shots on goal in this game, three of them went in, so that doesn't say a lot about Schlowo in the Schalke goals. 
Of course, I mentioned the injuries to key players. Both Rodrigo Salazar and Seth Vandenberg were badly injured in this game and both are expected to miss the rest of 2022. So, a really bad game for Schalke. A game they would have expected to win as well against a fellow relegation contender in Augsburg. And... Well, the vibes around the club at the moment, not exactly fantastic. Because their runner fixtures coming up, not great. And they're only one point clear of Stuttgart in the relegation places. Hertha Berlin won, Hoffenheim won. Andrej Kramaric scored a goal in his 200th Bundesliga appearance. Well done to him. Dodi Lukabakio scored for Hertha in the first half as well. The second half, not very good. Hoffenheim were the better side, but couldn't take their chances and Hertha would hold on for a point. Final game, Leipzig for Bochum nil. Thomas Lesch is the new Bochum manager replacing Thomas Rice, who was, of course, the first Bundesliga sacking of the year. When it comes to him as a hiring, I can't really say much because he's not really done that much. Mostly managing in the lower German game and in the Austrian game. He's managed Austria-Vienna, who obviously are quite a big side, and Vitesse recently in the Netherlands before taking on this Bochum job. So he has got some experience at the top level, but I can't tell you anything about him because it's not levels that I watch. Still, this wasn't exactly a great game to be introduced into the Bundesliga with and Bochum were about as bad as you would have expected and Leipzig were as clinical as you would have expected. Timo Werner and Christopher Kunku both getting two goals in this game. It turns out they're quite good at football and stuff. Max Abel has been confirmed by the way as a new sporting director at Leipzig. I don't know if we mentioned that in the last episode because I think I think we've mentioned it because it seemed like a done deal and hasn't been confirmed, but now it has been confirmed. It might have been confirmed before the last episode, or I might have mentioned it, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So, if that's new information to you, well, now you know. But it's been in the works for a very, very long time now. Anyway, let's have a look at the Bundesliga table at the end of match day 8. Union Berlin still lead the way despite losing to Eintracht Frankfurt. They're on 17 points after 8 games, which is the same total as Freiburg in 2nd place. Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund are both on 15 points, filling out the Champions League places. Hoffenheim and Eintracht Frankfurt fill out the European places. They're both on 14 points. At the wrong end of the table, Bochum are on one point after eight games. Still struggling and four points behind Bayer Leverkusen in 17th on five, which is the same number of points as 16th place Stuttgart. Schalke are one point clear in 15th and Hertha Berlin one point ahead of them in 14th. Okay, let's go down into the Spider Bundesliga event and let's start off with the Friday games. The first one between second and third in the table, Paderborn against Darmstadt. And Darmstadt have leapt over Paderborn after a 2-1 win at the Benteler Arena, whether it's called now, I can't really remember and I don't care. It was a really fast start in this game though. 1-0 after 3 minutes to Paderborn. Robert Leipertz getting on the end of a long ball. Really bad defending from Darmstadt. But they made up for it just 7 minutes later. Braden Manu with a header to level the scores. I should say in between those two goals... Paderborn were given a penalty to go 2-0 up. That must have been after five minutes. It was an incredibly harsh call for me. I wouldn't have given it a penalty in a million years. There was contact, but it wasn't enough to justify a penalty. Anyway, 
The football gods must have agreed with me because that penalty from Marvin Peeringer was missed, which was quite the surprise. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Anyway, as mentioned, Manu would level the scores for Darmstadt, and then just 14 minutes later, they would make it 2 1. Yannick Muller with a header from a free kick, and whatever the goal was it was not good defending by Paderborn which really summed up the opening 24 minutes three goals in that time span and of course it could have been four if Peeringer had converted a penalty which should have never been given but that was really it for the whole game the second half was quite the boring affair to be honest I think Darmstadt probably should count themselves very lucky to have won this because Paderborn were the better side, but they just were not clinical. Neither side was really after the opening 24 minutes. Both sides wasted any chance they did get, or at least that's what it felt like to me. So this wasn't exactly the classic I was expecting it to be, but it is a big game for Darmstadt who move up into the automatic promotion places with that win. Still behind top of the league, Hamburger though, who won 2-1 away at Hanover, who of course have been quite resurgent under Stefan Leitl over the last few games. It was actually Hanover who opened the scoring though in the fourth minute and it was one of the best blunders of the weekend in German football. Miro Muheim falling over, doing a proper Steven Gerrard-esque slip to give the ball to Hanover in the perfect position. Played through to Seymour and he wasn't going to say no to a chance like that. Go and look it up if you can find the highlights because it was quite funny. The rest of the game would be no laughing matter for Hanover though. 15 minutes on the clock when Julian Boner put it into his own net. And unlike the Rami Bantabini goal earlier, if he didn't make contact with the ball, Robert Glatzel almost certainly would have scored. So that one, less comical and more just unfortunate. Also, it was less comical because it was Hamburger scoring and no one, and I mean literally no one on planet Earth likes that. Anyway, Hamburger would get the win in the 92nd minute and you have to give a lot of credit here to Ransford, Yeboah Corningsdorfer, because he went on an amazing run over half of the pitch, used some great trickeration to get round some of the defenders and slotted home. It was one of the best goals of the season and will be a goal of the season contender in the Spiter Bundesliga. And Hamburger did deserve to win this game in all fairness. They were the better side and to go away from home to play a Hanover side who have been playing so well Really looking revived over the last few weeks under Stefan Neitel. And to get a big win and to be the better side in that game as well is significantly impressive. Last year on Going Deutsch, I noted that it felt like for Hamburger to get promoted, they would have to hit the ground running to start a season. And they have done that exactly so far. They have been the best side of the fight of Bundesliga. And unfortunately, they do deserve the lead of the league. Fortuna Dusseldorf 4, Armenia Bielefeld 1. The nightmare starts the season continues for Bielefeld. Meanwhile, Dusseldorf still fighting at the top end of the table. They opened the scoring in the 21st minute into Applecamp, volleying in a cross. Then Armenia Bielefeld got their own goal of the game in the 34th minute from the penalty spot. Mark Rutzkowski, sorry, definitely pronounced that name wrong. 
was wiped out in the box by Christoph Klaver. Robin Hack would convert the penalty. After that, it was all Fortuna Dusseldorf. They were absolutely dominant in this game. Tanaka would make it 2-1 unmarked at the back post. The best part of the game for me, the third goal for Dusseldorf, David Koronaki with a back heel assist for a Shinta Applecamp chip. It was absolutely phenomenal from Dusseldorf that play and they would make it 4-1 late on Tim Oberdorf heading in a corner. Fortuna Dusseldorf, you cannot complain with how they've started off the season. 17 points from 10 games, a far cry from where they were last year, which was much further down the side to Bundesliga table. Meanwhile, for Armenia Bielefeld, they drop to bottom of the side to Bundesliga table, which is not what we expected from a relegated side. And we'll talk about the other relegated side later on. But... I don't know what the answers are at the moment. Obviously, they've hired a new manager in Daniel Schoening. They can't sack him as well after just a handful of games. He needs to figure out what's going on because they enter the World Cup break of the relegation places. Panic stations. Well, let's face it, they're probably already panicking in Bielefeld at the moment. So, I don't know what the answer is because... Let's face it, most of our games are just the lesser side. It feels like we're going to need a lot of improvements and additions when it comes to the January transfer window, but will they be able to afford it? I, I don't know. I don't see what the way out is from Inu Bielefeld at the moment. Let's talk about another big side who are underachieving. Karlsruhe 3, Nuremberg 0. Nuremberg, like Armenia Bielefeld in their game, completely outmatched by their hosts. Karlsruhe completely dominated the first half. It didn't look like they were going to get anything out of it at first. But then, just entering added time, Karlsruhe did take the lead. Fabian Schlusner heading home for that much-needed goal. You know, it's sort of a thing on Football Manager when you get asked about a goal just before the half-time break and you go, while it completely changed my team talk, it definitely made life a lot easier. And that's what it felt like for Karlsruhe. The second half, nothing changed. They were easily the dominant side. Again, they scored two goals in the space of three minutes to put the game beyond Nuremberg. 78 minutes on the clock when Philip Hayes smacked into the top corner. A fantastic goal of the week contender. Then Marvin Wanitzek made it three on a tap-in. Nuremberg seem to be in deep trouble. They have started off season very unconvincingly. 10 points from 10 games. This, like so many seasons for Nuremberg, since they've been relegated from the Bundesliga, not that they've been in the league for too long, but every year feels like this is going to be the turnaround year, and then it really isn't. And a head has rolled as a result. Robert Klaus has been sacked as the head coach of Nuremberg. And whilst obviously we never like to see a manager get sacked around here, these are human beings at the end of the day. It's hard to complain with the decision as well. Nuremberg have been terrible to start off the season. Apparently, Marcus Feinseel might be the favourite for the job. It would be a great hire if they can get him, but it's the getting him that might be the problem. Obviously, he guided Augsburg to safety in the Bundesliga last year and left because of differences with the higher-ups. But he would be an exceptional hire for Nuremberg. Hopefully he could turn their season around because it has been a miserable start. For Karlsruhe, they're in 8th place. They're doing quite well. 
Greutherfurth 1, Sandhausen 1. Not particularly a game for the neutral. Alexander Esvine gave Sandhausen the lead in the 12th minute. Julian Green equalised in the 48th minute with a header at the back post. And other stuff might have happened, but I didn't see any of it. Oh, Tom Tribal was sent off in the 93rd minute, but honestly, who cares? The most notable part about this, obviously, Goiterfirth have also started off the season not very well. And as a result of the next fixture we'll go into, both of the relegated sides from the Bundesliga find themselves in the relegation places in the Spiter as well. Goiterfirth 17th, 8 points from 10 games. Armenia Bielefeld 18th, 8 points from 10 games, but with an inferior goal difference. That means combined... The two relegated sides have played 20 games so far this season and had 16 points through them games. And I don't know how to exactly explain that. Obviously, the main explanation will be the relegation hangover that sides can face, but it has hit these two sides very hard. Obviously, Armenia Bielefeld have replaced their manager already this season. Greuterfirth, meanwhile, still have Mark Snyder at the helm, but it's hard to know. Like I said, I, I don't know how it's going to get better for Mini Bielefeld. I obviously don't have any more sort of optimism for Greuterfirth, as both sides have started off the season equally horribly. I guess with Greuterfirth, they have the option to change a manager still, but as we've seen with our Mini Bielefeld, that doesn't necessarily make things better. But who knows, we could see a double relegation for both the sides going straight through the Spiter into the Dritter Liga. That would be quite the sight. Anyway, the reason those two now sit in the relegation zone together is because Eintracht Braunschweig have moved out of relegation places. They drew one all with Kaiserslautern, puts them on nine points and therefore in 16th place. Braunschweig opened the scoring in the 57th minute. Lion Lauberbach left far too open inside the box. And by the way, I just want to stress again, I really like the name Lion Lauberbach. It's absolutely fantastic. He gave them the lead in the 52nd minute. Three minutes later, Kaiserslautern drew level. And it was absolutely fantastic because Boris Tomiak headed in a corner, but it megged a defender. It was absolutely fantastic. A header straight through the defender's legs, bouncing at the exact right point to bounce under his legs and then go straight up into the net. It was absolutely fantastic and clearly the goal of the season. There were a lot of other moments in this game. I tried Braunschweig before any of that had a goal correctly ruled out. They probably should have conceded a penalty in my view later on just before they actually took the lead and then VAR overturned a red card I believe for Philip Clement. It, it, he had his studs showing but he had got the ball beforehand like quite a while beforehand so VAR decided to downgrade it well the ref using VAR I should say decided to downgrade it to a yellow card and to be honest I actually do agree with that decision. We need to give refs more praise when we make correct decisions. And I agree with it because 
on the one hand, you know, there was that danger in there because he had his, his stud showing, but he did make a perfectly good tackle apart from that. So the, the danger, but the good challenge for me means it sort of levels out to a yellow card. So I agreed with that. Kaiserslautern were the better side for most of the game, but they weren't able to capitalise. And it means that Eintracht Braunschweig, well, they move out of the automatic relegation places, though they are, of course, still in the relegation playoff places. Let's talk about the other games then in the Svita Bundesliga this weekend. Magdeburg 1, Jan Regensburg 0. I was really disappointed about this game because Bal Bal had a goal ruled out for offside, which was obviously disappointing as a... As a big member of the Bao Bao fan club, just because of his name, very funny name. The highlight of the match, and one of the highlights of the season when it comes to Zweite Bundesliga bloopers, came with the only goal of the game. Dominic Ryman, the goalkeeper for Magdeburg, had a long kick upfield, and Jan Regensburg keeper Dejan Stojanovic completely misjudged the kick. It went over his head, and it was absolutely perfect for Lukas Schuler to capitalise and kick it in. Some of the angles make it look like the ball was going to go straight into the net for a goalkeeper goal. Uh, that wouldn't have happened because as the sort of angle behind the keeper showed, it was going wide. So the final tapping from Schuler was absolutely necessary. Of course, if that ball had been going in, then he should have left it alone so the keeper could actually score a goal. I don't care about your goal bonus. Anyway, it was a deserved win for Magdeburg. Holstein Kiel 1, Hansa Vostok 1. Kiel opened the scoring. In the 28th minute, Fabian Wies converted a penalty. It was the correct call. But they conceded and dropped two points in the 88th minute when Lucas Hintersteer headed home. Final game to mention, St. Pauli nil, Heidenheim nil, And there could be no doubt whatsoever that this game happened. It most certainly existed. It was the national game on Sport Ains. On Saturday night, and oh boy, did it not live up to the billing. All the players on the pitch got stage fright, and <laughs> honestly, it was genuinely terrible. I, I was so glad I had to miss the last five minutes of the game, so that I could be a taxi service, and honestly, that was the best news I could have received. Strictly Come Dancing was on, it would have been much better to have watched that in hindsight anyway on that bombshell let's have a look at these fighter bundesliga table hamburger lead the way after 10 games there on 24 points Darmstadt move up into second on 21 with paderborn in third on 19 fortuna dusseldorf heidenheim and hanover all chasing on 17 points at the wrong end of the table as mentioned armenia bielefeld 18th greuter firth 17th both on eight points Eintracht Braunschweig are a point clear on nine. Meanwhile, Sandhausen have the same number of points, but are outside relegation places entirely. Nuremberg and Magdeburg both on 10, with Jan Regensburg and St. Pauli both on 11. Okay, time for our whistle-stop tour of the Drissel League event after 10 games. It is 1860 Munich who move back to the top of the league. They drew one all with Dortmund Schwey, and they move back to top because Alversberg, the powerhouse, lost 2-1 at home to Verl, which would have been a more expected result had it been the start of the season. They then have moved up into the player promotion place after a 3-1 win at home to Essen. That puts them level on points, but with a superior goal difference over Freiburg Schwey, who drew 2-all at home to Saarbrücken, who are in 
5th. And by the way, when I said at home to Saarbrücken, I meant away to Saarbrücken because apparently I can't read scoreboards. At the wrong end of the table, it's still Bayreuth who are bottom. Had no win in, well, a very long time by now. They drew one all at home to Dynamo Dresden. SPG Al got a big win their first of the season. 3-0 against Mepham. That puts them on six points, three points away from being out of the relegation places. Dortmund Schwey still in the relegation places, as mentioned, they drew with 1860 Munich. Hallescher, the other side of the relegation places, they lost 1-0 at home to Duisburg. On eight points, they are one point behind Essen, who, as mentioned, lost 3-1 at home to Vehen. Okay, time to go into the games of the weekend then to wrap up the podcast. For the Bundesliga, well, I'm not optimistic about it, but I have to go for Der Klassiker, Borussia Dortmund against Bayern Munich. Please just be competent for once, Dortmund, in a Klassiker. I'd be so happy. Apart from that, obviously, the derby between Mönchengladbach and Köln, I also think, will be an interesting affair. The Klassiker is on the Saturday. It is a 6.30 kickoff in Germany. Meanwhile, the Mönchengladbach Köln game is a 3.30 kickoff on the Sunday. My Zweite Bundesliga game of the weekend is going to be Darmstadt against Dusseldorf. Second against fourth, two sides going for promotion in the Zweite. Two sides who have obviously started off the season very well and had good wins last weekend. It is a Saturday, 1 o'clock kickoff. And my game of the weekend in the Dritte Liga is... 1860 Munich at home to Ingolstadt. 1860, top of the league, Ingolstadt, a side who were relegated last year and who have started off the season well. 7th place, 16 points, 2 points off the promotion playoff. So a really tight affair, hopefully, Saturday, 2 o'clock. Anyway, that's all the time we have on this edition of Going Deutsch. Thank you for listening. I hope you join me next week to talk about more from the wonderful world of German football. But for the time being, I've been Alex Woodward, and until we meet again, I'll be the same. By the way, if you're still listening and you're wondering why the podcast is continuing, I do want to point out to those of you still listening that it's the 25th episode of Going Deutsch, this one that you've just listened to, and I know that matters to literally no one else on planet Earth, but it does matter to me. So I realised that partway through recording and couldn't figure out where I wanted to put it, so I've just decided to add it on after the, I guess, end of the podcast, after the, the end music. So to those of you who have heard this, now you know that. I hope you live your life more fulfilled, safe in the knowledge that we've hit 25 episodes here on Going Deutsch. Anyway, that's the podcast over now. I'll be the same.